You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Overlord. Three months ago, I was cutting grass in my front yard. And the mailman shows up with a letter from the army. Now I'm here. No idea where I'm going to end up. Questions don't have good answers. There's a lot of soldiers out there, and there's only four of us. Find out what's inside that compound. Follows. On the eve of D-Day, American paratroopers drop behind enemy lines to penetrate the walls of a fortified church and destroy a radio transmitter. As the soldiers approach their target, they soon begin to realize that there's more going on in the Nazi-occupied village than a simple military operation. Making their way to an underground lab, the outnumbered men stumble upon a sinister experiment that forces them into a vicious battle against an army of the undead. The film is starring Yovan Adepo, Wyatt Russell, Matilda Oliver, John Magaro, Gianni Toffer, Pilou Osbach, Bokeem Woodbine. It is directed by Julius Avery and written by Billy Ray and Mark L. Smith. Joining me for this review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Josh number two, Josh Williams. What's going on, everybody? So, Josh's <laughs> overlord. Um... Not an Oscar contender. No, not at all. <laughs> I would be shocked. <laughs> I feel like we've been talking about Oscar contenders now for the last couple of weeks. And I, I, I have to say, I am happy that we are taking a bit of a reprieve here to talk about something that is so outside of the wheelhouse of Oscar. And between this, the Grinch and the girl caught in the the girl in the the girl with the dragon. I don't even know what the hell that movie's called. But between 
those three choices, I thought that this had the most potential, at least for somewhat of a lively discussion. So um, let's kick it off here with our initial thoughts. Josh Williams, what did you think of Call of Duty Zombies? (laughs) Um, So I thought it was, uh, I think it's very uh, competently made. And I had a lot of fun watching the movie. Like I had a good time looking at the just looking at the film itself, the cinematography is really good. There's a couple like lighting designs that I really like. Um, the production design is really good. They paid a lot of attention to like details in the background of shots and things that you wouldn't normally see in like a war film, I think. Um, and then the music is really good too. I think there was a lot of times throughout the movie where I would get caught listening to the music and think, Oh, this is really good. Um, this is kind of, this fits and I really like it. But other than that, the movie uh, kind of misses at least what the marketing made it seem like. I think it was pushed to seem like the zombie aspect of the movie was such a heavy part of the movie. And then we don't really get to the zombies until like 30, 45 minutes in. And then once they show up, they're immediately taken away and they, they're just like sprinkled throughout the rest of the movie. So I was kind of let down because I was hoping it was going to be World War II American soldiers drop in, Nazis are doing some fucked up shit, and then they're going to kill some zombies. And that's not what I got. So I was kind of upset. But um, the war drama stuff is – it's like decent. It's not like poorly written or poorly directed. And even the performances are really good. But I think it's just too cliche. Like, we've seen all of it before. You know, we've seen, like, the power dynamic between, like, the seasoned vet and Wyatt Russell and then, like, the private in, um, I can never remember his name, Jovan Ador. Oh, Jovan Adepo. Yeah, thank you. Jovan Adepo. And there's, like, the power dynamic between them. Like, um, Adepo doesn't really want to do some of the stuff that, like, Wyatt Russell kind of has, like, the grit to do or whatever. And so... It was just stuff we've all seen before, and the fact that they're the the hook of the movie wasn't really there was kind of frustrating to me. Mm. Okay, well, I expected Josh Williams to be the most positive of the two Joshes, so <laughs> might as well rip off the band-aid. Josh Parm, what did you think of the 2018 uh, Overlord? Not the 1975. We don't want to get confused here. Uh, <laughs> this is a new kind of Overlord. <laughs> so what did you think of this one? Yeah, uh, I have a feeling I will probably be the most negative voice uh, today on this <laughs> on this film. You know, going back to what you were saying, actually, about like the marketing of this film, I agree with you that going into it, I was sort of expecting something to have a feel of like almost like the grindhouse version of Inglorious Bastards. You know, like, yes. you know, like a World War Two movie that was just all Nazi zombies and a lot of blood and guts and gore and violence, but just kind of be really over the top with it and kind of celebrate its cheesiness. And the reactions out of some of the uh, festivals that it played at, um, some of like the horror festivals, it kind of gave me the impression that that's exactly what this movie was. Yeah, the initial reactions were really positive. And, And that is bizarre to me because that is not featured as heavily in this movie as I think it should be. And instead what we get is you know, a rather traditional war movie, which, to be honest, for me, I did not really find compelling all that much. I did not think any of these characters were that interesting on their own. Uh, the power dynamic you were talking about between the two characters, I, we've seen that before. And it's also inconsistent, I feel like, in terms of <laughs> their motivations, because 
the Yovan Adepo character, he gets called like basically a coward and that he doesn't like killing. But, you know, spoiler alert, later on in the movie, he doesn't really have that problem too much. So Yeah, he like doesn't struggle with it at all. <laughs> no. So it's I just found all of that inconsistent and dull and boring. And I was just really wanting to have fun with the movie. But I think this is a movie that doesn't know how to have fun. It could have been this sort of gritty, you know, celebration of like old school horror movies. But instead, I feel like you get the J.J. Abrams glossiness to it. And it just is not that interesting to me. I was bored throughout a lot of this movie and did not find myself having a good time at all. So I, I definitely am mixed on this movie for sure, and there are a number of reasons for it. While this isn't like the most thematically uh, deep movie I will see in 2018, I actually have quite a lot of thoughts on this movie, and I want to actually first start off with the marketing of it. To both of your points, I thought heading into this that I was in for a campy, gory, disgusting, almost Sam Raimi kind oh. of a horror film that was going to be just oodles of fun and kind of something like that I thought would be like the surprise movie of 2018 almost uh, how I felt when I saw something like Cabin in the Woods mm. you know very tongue-in-cheek horror that pokes fun at itself uh, mm -hmm. blends uh, a couple of genres together instead to your point uh, Parham we got for the first my god like first 40 minutes or so the most straightforward World War II story I can remember in quite some time. And it wasn't all that interesting on a story level, to your point, because the only thing that's interesting is they try to paint Yovana uh, Depo as this, I don't even think coward so much, just more of like this green soldier who doesn't have the grit and determination to see things through um, in, the, in like the most horrific and violent manner possible. And there is an exploration of that. Like, there are some scenes uh, with Wyatt Russell's character that are quite disturbing, actually, because he is willing to go to such depths to achieve the goal of the mission, where Yovana Depo has a little bit more uh, humanity in him. And I've been hearing, like, people say, like, this movie is deeper than it's presenting on the surface level, but. I don't know. I think that's very, very superficial, to tell you the truth, and I don't buy it as much because I wasn't left thinking about that uh, so much leaving the theater. What I did leave thinking was, okay, this, is, this wasn't what I expected it was going to be. I don't really know exactly what the deeper message of the movie actually is, mm -hmm. like what it's actually trying to tell its audience and what they're supposed to be leaving us with. And if they're not supposed to be leaving us with something to really think about, then where was the entertainment value then because I, I I was like even kind of perplexed at this movie while it does have a couple of jump scares like it's not really funny you know at times so the campy element of the movie is out it plays itself way too seriously and if you want me to take you seriously then you better be in the realm of something like a platoon deer hunter saving private Ryan if you're not then you're just a average, mediocre, or poor war film. Yeah, I wouldn't have as big of an issue with it being a little bit more of a traditional war film at the beginning of it if I was with characters that I found interesting and compelling. And I think yeah. that is one of the big problems with this movie is that 
I didn't find any of these characters engaging like at all. And well, I'll, I'll take it to task on that. Just maybe just a little bit, because yeah, yeah. I do think Yovana Depo is still one of the most exciting up and coming stars in Hollywood. And I love that he is the leading man of this film. Um, I enjoyed his work yeah. in Fences. Anyone that's seen The Leftovers uh, has seen him in that before. He's definitely got something, I think, to offer. And I think he shows more of it here. But it's definitely not something that when we look back, we'll be like, oh, this was like his breakout role. <laughs> and like, you know, no, he's no, kind of no. just there. But I can see the potential, at least. Wyatt Russell, though, uh, this is the most like his father. Yeah, I've ever seen him in any movie before in terms of embracing that action hero kind of a role, uh, that tough guy, macho esque, you know, and I, I really, really dug that just seeing him channel that a bit more. Um, maybe it wasn't the best film to surround it in, but I really, really enjoyed kind of seeing that because it harkened back to earlier Kurt Russell performances for me. Yeah, definitely. And, and for the record, I would say that my issues with most of these characters, I would not place on the actors. I think that yeah, they do no. a good enough job trying to build up as much as they could with characters that I just think on the page are not that interesting and and even had potential to be interesting because I think even the Yovana Depo character, another thing about him that I found sort of weird is that he is a black soldier in this unit. And, you know, for one thing, the military wasn't desegregated until, you know, after World War II, but okay, whatever, we're going to move past that. But that's something that they could have played with in the movie. That's an, that is something that could have been a very interesting shade to that character, what he's dealing with, but the movie never acknowledges it in any capacity. No. And it's like, that's a missed opportunity for that character to become more interesting and to give Yovana Depo even more to do as a performer and the movie just doesn't do that. Maybe the film is trying to be woke, but in the process of doing so, it doesn't feel historically accurate. And like I was saying before, if you want me to take you seriously as a war film and you're not going to introduce these campy fun elements into the movie, and even when you do later on, they're played more for horror and not for light entertainment fun, you know, yeah. There's got to be a, a believability there, and yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not there. It's unengaging in that regard. Then it just takes me out of the movie even more. Yeah, especially because also too, you have this Brooklyn, I, I guess, stereotype Italian. Isn't there like one of <laughs> yeah. those in every war movie? There I feel absolutely. like there always is. <laughs> I like baseball. You know, I like to play baseball. You know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez, Louise. But you know, it, it, I will say this. I felt like the movie picked up dramatically every single time Pillow Asback was on screen. I, I I mean, like, he seemed like he was the one who was most self-aware of what kind of a movie he was a part of. Because I, I found that his performance was over-the-top, deranged, you know, crazy-eyed, campy. And he, was he like, was trying to go for uh, that let's-just-have-some-fun kind of, you know performance where everybody else was just so serious yeah. mm -hmm. I, I do he's agree that too. yeah when, when he is on the screen i agree with you matt that he's the one who kind of understands what this movie should be and you do kind of get a lot of fun out of watching him i i wish that the the movie surrounding him kind of supported that tone and steered more into that direction but i do agree with you that he was probably of all of the characters, the most interesting 
or at least the most entertaining aspect of the movie. Now, did anyone, when the movie first began with the black and white opening logos, the war chatter over the radio, you know, the ominous music, and that opening sequence on the plane itself, did anyone else think, like, wow, I'm in for a really good time with this? I was, I thought so, too. That opening sequence is good. It's bad CGI. Yes. Let me get that out there. It's really bad CGI. But... Uh, you know, the, the theatricality of it all, I thought to myself, like, oh, this movie's setting up, like, a really good pace. And I was like, and yeah. there actually is a bombastic quality to the sound and to the camera flying through the air and flipping as they're falling out of the plane and stuff. And I was like, this is this is going to be great. Yeah. And then as soon as we land on the ground, it's like the middle section of the movie just takes everything to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The shot of Giovanna Depo like falling out of the plane is really good. Like when he gets shut, when he gets thrown out and it just like follows him the whole way down that I was I was like, I, I won't say it's really good. I will say it's creative. Yeah, it definitely. Is. But it, but to me, the bad CGI took me out of it. What I liked more was I liked, um, you know, to bookend everything. I love the one at the end, because even though there is a mix of CGI in there. Um, when we're following Yovana Depo through that Warner, I like that they're highlighting more practical effects yeah. um, and showcasing the production design a lot more, to your point earlier, Josh. So I really, really, really dug that part much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree that, man, the CGI in that first part, I mean, like you said, it, it is creatively executed, but at the same time, just, I don't know, just being surrounded by all of this artificiality did kind of damper my excitement for that scene but once he hits the water yeah you do feel the rush of okay now we actually feel like we're in danger at this point and that there there are moments to this movie i will say even though i am very you know pretty harsh on this film there are moments where i think it does really shine and Mm -hmm. when it does it is a pretty fun time it's just i find those moments to be very few and far between yeah the interrogation scene, everything that takes place up in that attic, um, also involving one of their um, one of their you know so- fellow soldiers, um, all of that I thought was fantastic. Um, everything with pillow ass back, everything um, like I said with with the other soldier, I started to get the thing vibes from it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just was it, that that to me was like this is what I wanted more of. Like, I really kind of wish that the moment that Yovana Depo hits the ground in the movie and, you know, they, they've landed in Germany, I kind of just wish that the horror elements of the film were just apparent right away instead of kind of sprinkling them throughout and then kind of going full-blown towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually want to mention something about that, that attic scene with that soldier because I agree with you. That whole moment, I think, is a really big highlight for the film. But I also have an issue with the way that it leads up to that moment, because right before, like literally right before, it's a very kind of somber, depressing tone that they're going for. And then to Mm -hmm. immediately switch to this over the top horror element just felt wildly inconsistent to me. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, speaks to a larger tonal problem that this movie has that you know, when it goes into those horror elements, it's really done, but it feels so jarring against the more like traditional war movie that it's wrapped around that it never feels 
authentic uh, in its transition, and you, it's really frustrating whenever it happens. Yeah, they should have just picked one tone to go with and then kind of ran with it instead of, like you guys are saying, like just suddenly like switching to different tonal like moments. It's really off. It's really offsetting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it that is the problem with this movie. I, I, it's it's interesting to me because I feel like this director, uh, Julius Avery, like I feel like there is potential there. Like I said, there is a level of creativity that's thrown yeah. in into this movie that it does show me that there is potential. But his handling of the tone of the film, I think, is the biggest issue of all. So I can't yeah. fully say that I think that you know there's pure greatness there, you know, <laughs> with his work, but. Um, it is it is a very interesting juggling act that I do believe they did not fully, you know, nail in the end. There are a couple other production elements, though, that I do want to uh, bring up. And that is actually, um, I saw this in a traditional theater that wasn't even an IMAX theater. And I have to say, this movie is loud. Like, yeah. super loud. Yeah, it really is. I was like, I was taken aback. The plane sequence is really loud. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's like the just the overall sound mixing or, you know, what it is um, or if they got like direction like the theaters, you know, make sure you dial this up to 11. But man, whew, this movie like packed a wild punch for me in terms of the sound department. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that I, I was told this afterwards and I don't know if you guys heard about this either because this is a J.J. Abrams produced film. Did you all hear that this was actually supposed to be a part of the Cloverfield universe? Um, someone told me that actually that like originally that's that's what this was going to be. Mm, I, I didn't hear that until you mentioned it, Matt. <laughs> well, I have to say, I almost I don't know if I would like like it more if that were the case, but I do believe that I would have. I, I think it could have fit. I would agree with it at least. I I don't know because every movie in the the Cloverfield you know quote unquote franchise since the original film I I feel like has struggled a bit to connect within that universe and even um, like Ten Cloverfield Lane most people agree the, the the general consensus is like that movie it's great until it becomes a Cloverfield movie so I I don't know <laughs> how the execution would have really improved or um, kind of worsened this film. I'm not really 100% sure. I think it was going to be something different originally, like when it was going to be part of the Cloverfield universe, and then it evolved into this. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, with that said, uh, let's pass it off to final thoughts. Great out of 10. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Great out of 10. Potential. Uh, Oscar potential. Uh, You know. (laughs) <laughs> you never know it could get a makeup nomination it's right it's gonna sweep <laughs> <laughs> the challenger to a star is born in roma right right, yeah. here. <laughs> right here it's overlord <laughs> yo that's that's gonna be my tweet on oscar nomination morning <laughs> it's great that a star is born got 10 nominations but where are the nominations for overlord <laughs> <laughs> Oh Four gosh! Still no nominations. How come? Jimmy? How come? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was genuinely funny. That 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 killed me a little bit. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. L- let's start off with you, uh, Josh. 
Which one? <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing it who's on first. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? <laughs> Oh god, the Overlord review has turned into a joke. <laughs> hey, this review is already more entertaining than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all right, all right. Woo. Okay, let's go with uh Josh Parm. Uh yeah, I did not really care for the movie as you can probably tell. I think that there is potential for, you know, a filmmaker to have some skill behind the camera. It is competently made. It, you know, it looks, sounds good. And when it does steer into those moments of like genuine horror, then it is a really fun time. But the problem with it being inconsistent in its tone and those elements not being featured heavily and just having characters that I found to be very dull and boring and uninteresting just really made it a slog for me to get through it. And actually kind of disappointing. It's not a very fun movie, I found. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't really care for the movie. My grade would probably be like a 4 out of 10. I've seen worse movies, but it's nothing that I found to be that interesting at all. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to sweep the Oscars. So, yeah, we've already decided. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Josh Williams. So I yeah I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys. I didn't enjoy it a whole bunch. I probably enjoyed it the most out of you guys, um, but it I think it is really well made, and there are some aspects that I think are worth mentioning in just in the competency of the film or things to enjoy about it, like the music and the production design. Um, I think that if it had stuck to like the hook of the movie where it's like, it's world war two and it's zombies, that's going to create chaos. It would be a little bit better, but since they really stray from that, uh, it just kind of lands in like the mediocre genre. So I just think it's very passable and it's just another movie that's going to come out this year and it's going to get forgotten about come, you know, January when we, everybody makes their top 10 of 2018 list. So what, what's uh, that Josh? So this is a reason why horror films weren't good in 2018. You say, you're goddamn right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just kidding. That, that article, man. Whew. That article made a lot of people upset. Yeah. Ah, well, I've been going back and forth with my grade on this one for a little bit, um, but I think I'm finally settling with a 5 out of 10. There's, like, enough good elements here that I wasn't left upset, mad. I was definitely disappointed. Um, I, did, I think the tone is all over the place in this movie, and it doesn't ever know what it really wants to be. And I feel that if that were the case and it knows what it wants to be, um, if it wants to be this serious World War II drama with some horror elements mixed in, well, then you know what? That wasn't that interesting, and B, it wasn't really that good. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the actors in this. I don't think anyone gives like a really amazing performance or anything like that, but I, I like them. I don't think anyone was actually like bad, you know, and I think the technical elements uh, for the most part, because I like I said, I have some issues with the CGI, especially in this movie production design, the score, the sound, the makeup. That's all well and good. You know, as far as B-movies go, you could do a lot worse than Overlord. Uh, yeah. But if you're going to watch an Overlord movie, um, I highly recommend the 1975 version through the Criterion Collection, actually. Um, it is amazing. And it's uh, it is really good. worth checking out. You know, Filmstruck is still around until November 29th. You might as well, uh, you know, if you're a subscriber, feel free to check out Overlord. So <laughs> with that said, uh, no Oscar potential. For this no. movie for me. I mean, I'd like the makeup. Uh, that would you know, be cool. 
but I, but I don't think it'll say happen. the makeup is a little. It's not going to happen now. Yeah. It's not consistent enough either. And this isn't like Fury or, you know, even on like that level where I, this could get like a lone sound nomination or something like that. So I don't buy anything like that happening for this movie. So, yeah, I have to say it's definitely not going to make a dent in the award season whatsoever. But I didn't hate this movie. I didn't hate it. Blowing praise. I didn't hate it. <laughs> frustratingly, frustratingly adequate. Josh Williams knows. Josh has been, I think, on with me for uh, the most reviews where We've I've hated movies. the most hated ones. I think the two of us have done the most hated reviews. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, this wasn't that. So that, that alone is a success right there. You have escaped <laughs> the fury of Matt Neglia. Congratulations. <laughs> you have survived. So, all right. Well, with that said, um, Josh Parham, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Josh Williams. You can find me at Josh underscore Williams 09. And you could find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Overlord here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox, Acast, and now newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. This movie, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about I was as I was watching it, I was really hoping for like really inglorious bastards grindhouse version. That was a good comparison. I liked that. The Pilo aspect character obviously was giving me vibes of like a Hans Landa, and then my mind just flashed. What if that was Christoph Waltz? Like, what if this was Quentin Tarantino? You know, gritty '70s shot on film, and it's just Christoph Waltz and you know, crazy makeup, fighting soldiers. I would have loved to have seen that movie. The coolest thing ever would have been if this was kind of an interconnected shared universe and it really was Hans Landa. <laughs> no, I, like, that would be the coolest thing ever. Like, hold, like, no, imagine if they hid that from the marketing and next thing you know, Christoph Waltz comes in and it actually is the character, Hans Landa. Everyone in that theater would be like, what? It would be like the biggest like twist since, you know, Split, where M. Night Shyamalan was like, I'm tying this shit into Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been a great J.J. Abrams, hey, surprise, motherfuckers, you know, kind of a twist reveal. And it could have maybe had it work because, you know, Tarantino was working on another Star Trek movie. Apparently, so they're in conversations to work together. Oh, what could have been? What could yeah. have been? Yeah, yeah. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, 
And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.